um, with a spiritual theme. There's uh, Father Joe Povich. Um, he's doing outreach in the Hilltop. And um, there is an opportunity for um, what he's calling sacred garden. So it's a practical community garden, but also interfaith spiritual community. And there'll be opportunities to volunteer to work in the garden. We're trying to figure out how we can have gatherings um, and thinking about ways to distribute the food. But um, it's sort of his project, but we are partnering and want to give food for free, not sell. And so lots of opportunity there. And I'm discussing more with the board and with Father Joe this week. And we're already going to have some dates in uh, April to start um, cleaning and prepping. And so through the season, uh, we'll be able to do that. Yeah, they, um, they got property on Philippi Road, which is the northern extension of uh, What is the name? Passing me by now. Uh, anyway, it's right there at the casino. <laughs> Philippi is the northern half of it. Uh, so it's fairly nearby to us here. Um, is it on Georgesville? Georgesville, that's the southern half. Uh, so we'll probably be operating as kind of a gathering space for the people working on it. Um, but there will be work starting in April to get the get the garden spaces cleared out, the land ready, and the uh, and then toward May get things planted. So we'll hear more about that as we go along. Did anyone else have any announcements online? Okay. Uh, our, our other outreach project at the moment is donations for the Hilltop Free Store. Um, they're asking for donations of toiletry items and socks for both men and women. Um, and if you have anything, you can just drop it in the box by the closet. Um, we're open, you can drop by during the week, just drop them off. We're open from noon to three, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, and I think that's about it. So we will go ahead and get started. For those who are new, since we do have a couple of new folks, uh, we start with bell meditation, so we'll ring the bell 21 times just to give something to focus on, and then uh, sit in silent meditation for about 15 minutes after that. Then there'll be a short sutra reading and uh, dharma talk. And then most time will be taken up in discussion of the dharma talk and the topic. Body, space, and mind in perfect harmony. I send my heart along with the sound of this bell. May all who listen to it be called to mindfulness and transcend anxiety and sorrow.
Sounds like feedback. Service continues on page two. May the fruit acquired by our practice extend to all living beings. We live in the universe connected to all beings. There are those who are in need of physical healing. May they receive care and medicines for their healing. There are those who are in need of mental and emotional healing. May they receive care and medicines for their healing. Among this community, we have the following concerns. thoughts in our minds throughout the coming week. We are aware that our interconnection can extend through space and time and we send our desire for protection to all. Like the Bodhisattva of compassion, we hear and respond to those in need. For the Heart Sutra, we'll do alternate number two on page eight. All things are insubstantial and fleeting. My body is insubstantial and fleeting. My mind, my perceptions, my thoughts, my consciousness, all these are insubstantial and fleeting. This is the perfect wisdom, 
this is the release from suffering, to reside in receptive emptiness, fixed on nothing, secure in nothing, clinging to nothing, assuming nothing, believing nothing, accepting nothing, excluding nothing, hearing nothing, resisting nothing, isolated from nothing, independent of nothing, always moving, moving forward with the ceaseless flow of the present. This is Nirvana. In this moment we are renewed. May we realize our unity with the universe and be at peace. In this moment we are renewed. We realize our unity with the universe and are at peace. Swaha. Swaha. So the reading for today is a poem from a collection called the Theragatha, uh, which is part of the Buddhist canon of scriptures, by a nun named Sangha, or community. When I left the only home I'd ever known, I thought I'd left everything behind. But I was still carrying all the years of running back and forth and around in circles after this or that. Just sitting still, those circles have broken apart and been carried away by the simple wind, blowing in and out. All your old thoughts, like snow falling on the warm ground, just sit back and watch. Um, can somebody mute? I'm going to make sure I'm muted over here, too. Hey, Pud. Pud, can you, you mute? translates as the verses of the elder nuns may be the world's oldest collection of literature by women. It was originally composed some 2,600 years ago by the female followers of the Buddha. It consists of 73 poems by these elder nuns. These women were mothers, grandmothers, courtesans, the rich, the poor, those who had been well-treated and those who had been abused. All of these women, no matter their station, gave up their previous lives to follow the Buddha and to practice his way of liberation. It has a companion uh, collection called the Theragatha, which is the verses of the elder monks. And both of these are included as part of the uh, 
the canonical scriptures of Buddhism, such as they are. I love this one that I read today. Um, I want to give some thoughts that were inspired by this particular poem. Um, by the way, I highly recommend this collection of verses. It's a real insight into the thinking of the women who followed the Buddha. And as I say, it's very possibly the oldest collection we have of writing by women, because let's face it, we men tended not to write down what women said. Um, and for you women in the crowd, it's a great way to pick up new uh, metaphors for male sexual organs, because they refer to them. <laughs> my favorite is his crooked old umbrella. <laughs> Woo, get it, girl. Too often we become trapped in if only. If only I could get organized, life would be better. If only I could go on retreat for a few days, or a week, or a month, I could get myself centered. And what do we do? We get organized by running around gathering all the things that will help us organize, agonizing over those things to give up and things to keep, and blame ourselves when we inevitably fail. We go on retreat and concentrate on the rules and observances, on the great effort we're making, on the pain of sitting, or on how we've moved beyond the pain of sitting. In short, we still spend ourselves on running back and forth and around in circles after this and that, as the Nam Sangha mentioned. But the Buddha tells us to sit or walk, or eat, or work, or defecate, for that matter, in mindfulness. He is not telling us to attach more rules, or disciplines, or practices, but to become non-attached to all of that, and to observe. Observe the breath. Don't try to control it. Observe the thoughts. Don't try to get rid of them. Let go of all the things to which you become attached. To cars, to status, to money, yes. But also to forms, to beliefs, to letting go of beliefs. To gods and to the denial of gods. To ideals and the denial of ideals. The Pali word that is translated mindfulness is sati. Um, Interestingly, it's the same word that's used for uh, emulation sacrifice of a woman on her husband's pier. So it's two extremely different meanings. What it actually means is to remember the present. When we think about that, it's a little bit strange. The present's here right now. How can we remember it? But if we think about it a little bit more, things that we remember are things that we cannot change. They are past changing. So is the present moment. 
we cannot change the present moment. Although we are called on to use our experience in it to help change the future for the better. So when we observe and experience the present moment as something that cannot be changed, we are freed from the desire to change it, freed from it only. Andrew Olimsky, in his article on Sati in the Buddhist journal Tricycle, also reminds us that even this observation is more attached, more non-attached than it may seem. He says, the Buddhist use of mindfulness as a meditation practice includes both of these meanings, which he had discussed earlier, awareness and attention, but goes further to specify that the conscious awareness will also include an attitude of equanimity one that neither favors nor opposes the object of which one is aware. When aware of a bodily sensation, for example, one does not like it if it is pleasant, nor dislike it if it is unpleasant. One is simply aware of the sensation with heightened awareness, but without any trace of positive or negative desire. Popular mindfulness or for that matter, even popular Buddhism, doesn't really like this attitude of equanimity. They want sitting to be sitting in the pleasure of the moment, finding pleasure in every moment. This is why I keep teaching the importance of equanimity. Equanimity is the experience of awakening. It recognizes and acknowledges both pleasure and pain but does not choose one over the other. It cannot, because the present moment is not affected by our if-onlys, our desires. When we understand the fullness of sati, we are able to experience the moment in equanimous freedom. My knees ache more and more when sitting cross-legged which is why you'll see me come out of that posture. This is neither good nor bad. It simply is. The next time I remember that my knees ache when sitting for a long period of time, I may choose to sit with my feet on the floor instead of cross-legged. But in this moment, sitting cross-legged, it simply is. It's not to say that I do that correctly every moment. I'll still bitch about how my knees are aching. I still attach. We all do. So do Buddhists attach to Zazen. You must sit in full lotus, or if necessary, maybe half lotus is okay. And that's the one I will uh, You must sit only sitting with no thought of gain or attachment. And that's the one I love most because they get so, so attached to unattachment as they define it, that it is the only, that it is only that definition that is right and true. Secular Buddhists attach to their secularity. There must be no hint of religion or ritual. 
No talk of gods or God. Liberals attached to their ideal of freedom. Give us freedom of expression, as long as they agree with my views. Conservatives attached to their ideal of freedom. The way things have been have always been, have been good enough for my ancestors, and they're good enough for me. I attach to my views of the views of others being attached. Where are your attachments? I love the image that Sanghai uses of the snow falling on warm ground. When the early snow falls, we often welcome it. Oh, I wish it could stick and give us a white Christmas. And when the late snow falls, we hope it will melt quickly and give us back the spring that we can feel just around the corner. But snow doesn't care about our desires. It doesn't care whether we welcome it or shun it. It falls when it is its time and melts when the ground is too warm. Those circles have broken apart and been carried away by the simple wind blowing in and out. All your thoughts like snow falling on warm ground. Just sit back and watch. As the snow falls on warm ground and passes away, we must let go of whatever if-onlys we're holding. Laura, you, were you just asking the pronunciation of Sadi? No, can you spell it? Oh, it's S-A-T-I. Okay, thank you. Sure. still asleep from the last hour of sleep? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm awake just fine, although I could use some coffee. Good morning, everyone. It's Jenny. Hey, I think Jenny. I was so touched by uh, the snow falling on the warm ground that I was mesmerized by that that imagery. I, I think that the, the silence fell upon me and the beauty of of those words. I think that's why I was speechless for a few minutes. That, that imagery is beautiful, and I thank you for that. That's certainly um, something I definitely will hold on to. I, I really appreciate that imagery, and, and I will hold on to, or not hold on to it, but I will remember it. <laughs> yeah, that translation, by the way, comes from the book uh, the First Free Women, uh, which we mentioned last week as well. 
Uh, it's a book I highly recommend. It's a brand new translation of the Theragatha. Um, came out last year or two years ago. How do you differentiate between the I'll be happy wins and aspiration? It seems like there's a fuzzy line where those butt up against each other where you can hold on to that aspiration too much. Yeah, I think the the difference for me, and I get asked this question a lot when I'm talking about Buddhism to non-Buddhist groups. They're like, well, if we're supposed to let go of desires, does that mean we don't have any plans or aspirations for the future? No. Plan, but plan with a flexible mind. Plan with a mind that's able to say, this is the direction I want to go. There's something I may not be able that to path, get there, right. but I'm going to try my best to get there. And the big thing is not attaching our happiness or unhappiness to that planned outcome. Um, to not say that if I don't become a theoretical physicist, I'm never going to be happy in any other profession. Well, why take that step? Why not just say, I'm going to train myself in the discipline of theoretical physics? The way, the way I understand it is that um... Like, it's okay to have an aspiration. It's okay to have, like, an outcome goal. Like, I want this thing to happen, but it's also okay for that goal to change. So I'm not, I'm not attached to this specific goal being my main purpose in life. I'm okay with that goal changing. Um, so, like, for me recently my main aspiration was become a nurse, become a nurse, become a nurse. And that was what I was basing my identity on. And I was really attached to that. And I had kind of a, just a come to Jesus moment uh, last month where I realized that I had spent a year and a half in a profession that I was not well suited for. Um, and so, you know, I had to make the decision to let that aspiration go. And it was very, very difficult for me to do that because I was basing a lot of my identity on it. Now it's just like you said, instead of I'm going to be a theoretical physicist, I'm going to train my, instead the outcome goal is I'm going to train myself in theoretical physics so for me it was like I'm going to become a nurse um, but now it's changed to um, I'm going to train myself in healthcare and healthcare systems and see where that leads yeah that's a very good way of looking at it um, actually I, I still remember reading a quote from the Dalai Lama 
he's constantly asked this question as well of uh, how could Buddhism require that you give up all desires? And every time he laughs at the question because he says, that's a stupid question. If we didn't desire anything, we wouldn't desire to be free of suffering. And we wouldn't follow the Buddhist path. Desire is not the problem. It's attaching to that desire as the only thing that will make us happy, the only thing that is worthwhile. Having desires is wonderful. Attaching to them is the problem. Maybe another way of phrasing that is investing our sense of identity, investing our sense of I into something. That, that's a good one, yeah. I had similar, uh, a similar experience, you know, the subject of this topic um, related to this whole COVID thing. And, um, you know, I was very, I got to a point of peace where I was settled in this quarantine mode and I was actually really grateful for the gifts that it gave me. Um, and then we're getting toward that uh, an energetic time, like when we might be coming out of it, dare I say, for me personally, I was thinking, you know, that I want to do things and change has happened in my life. And I'm really thinking a lot about traveling. And then I got fixated on those plans and then frustrated with the fact that I still can't do the things. And I felt like I was caught in this limbo and then realized, um, through just being around positive people and hearing, you know, positive thoughts, um, that I'm, I said, oh, aha, I'm missing the moments right now, right here. I still have this gift of time, time with my family, precious time in my children's lives, you know, milestone moments. And here I am missing that. Like, it was just a, my little wake-up call to just stay in, in the present. It's okay to have those plans and aspirations and, you know, dreams, if you will, and I'll still move toward that, but not in such a fixated way. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that, remember, we can use the present moment to plan for the future. There's nothing, you know, they're not, it's not that you have to be in the present moment so much that you can't even use it to think about the future. Well, no, that's crazy. Part of the present moment has to be preparing for the future. So part of that awareness of the present moment is how do we want to prepare for the future? Where do we want to place our emphasis? Where do we want to place our identity? Uh, and all those sorts of things as well.
Creations are numberless. I will strive to free them. them. The illusions are inexhaustible. I will strive to transform them. Reality is boundless. I will strive to perceive it. The awakened way is insurmountable. I will strive to embody it. May your thoughts, words, and actions be corrective and encompassing of the pragmatic Buddhist path. May you approach this week with deference and dignity, and may you spread your personal peace to all those you encounter. May all sentient beings have happiness and its causes. May all sentient beings be free of suffering and its causes. May all sentient beings not be separated from sorrows bliss. May all sentient beings abide in equanimity free of bias, attachment, and anger. Swaha. Thank you all, and have a good week. Uh, Glenn, could I... Uh, um, I was wondering if people would be interested in having a member list that would have our names, our email addresses, and our phone numbers, um, just as a, a, an additional way for us to get to know one another. I'd be glad to uh, just put together an uh, Excel sheet if people are interested. That would be wonderful. Yeah, yes. I think this is a great yes, idea. Yes, yes. Uh, great idea. We were actually, uh, before COVID, we were going to do a uh, picture wall, and some of you may have had your pictures taken by DD to go on that. Uh, we still plan on doing that when we get back together, but yeah, I think something like that would be a really good idea, bud. Thanks. Um, hey, bud. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Pud, before you leave, can you put your, if you're willing to accept this, um, if you could put your email or whatever method you want in, in the chat. Sure. We can copy that, and then we can reach out to you. I can do that. I'd be happy to. Thank you. Hey, Glenn, are we having a board meeting? Um, that's actually just what I was getting ready to say. Um, we are, John had a bad night, didn't get any sleep, so he's not going to be here, and I don't see either Dee Dee or Geneva, so okay. uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll try it again next week. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Thanks, Pud. Sure. Happy to. Yeah, so those of you who are still on, I'll leave the... Uh, meeting up for a little bit so you can copy down Bud's email address. And everybody else have a good week. <laughs>